0: Well, welcome to our stories so uh, where we take a deep dive into our local iconic businesses and bring you the story of how they became where they are now and I tell you what if you've been into the Toowoomba CBD recently and you've seen the new Hogan's Jewelers, boy oh boy it is absolutely unbelievable we'll get to that very shortly but how did it get there? Well that's the amazing story And uh, we've got now uh, Lachlan Hogan who's a third generation Jeweler and part of the Hogan family, who joins me for our stories. Good morning, mate.
1: Thank you for having me, Lee.
0: All right. I, as I say, an, an icon of the region. Uh, in two thousand and should I better get this date right, or my wife will kill me. Uh, in two thousand and four, <laughs> uh, I purchased my wife's uh, engagement ring and wedding ring from your father, and uh, it is a beautiful piece of jewellery that is uh, very much treasured in our family. Uh, this story goes back, even before 1953, when they opened the doors here, your grandparents had already established Hogan's Jewellers in towns in New South Wales, places like uh, Griffith and Leeton in New South Wales. Uh, do you know why they got into the jewellery business?
1: Yeah, they, they um, well, funnily enough, a young girl, Madeline Hogan, my grandmother, yep. when she was a young lady, absolutely loved jewellery, had a passion for it, which they all do. But she had an exceptional passion for it. She was obsessed with
0: it. So she was the driver.
1: She was the driver. She dreamt of having her own store one day. She worked in the jewellery department at David Jones in Sydney. Oh, wow. uh, In the city and just absolutely loved everything about the jewellery that she was selling. And she one day dreamt of having her own store. And it wasn't until she met my granddad. uh, Well, they eventually got married, but uh, when they met in the city in Sydney and lived the young people's life, but they eventually moved back out to where their parents were from at, uh, Leighton and Griffith and, and they settled down and eventually started their own dream store in a little wow. country town. And it
0: fantastic?
1: <clears throat> it was obviously a lot more affordable to run a business out there and a lot more manageable yeah. to, uh, you know, they had contacts out there. They had, they had, um, an instant client base, I guess, with family and friends. Yes. Um, and that's what they did. So they started out in a country town like that. Um, and they slowly grew from one store to having the two in Leeton and Griffith. Um, and it was about seven or eight years from 1945 to 1953 yep. that they had the stores down there. Um, they had the three of the oldest children were born in those years, um, of my dad's older brothers and sisters. Yes. And eventually they came through Toowoomba on their way to the Sunshine Coast on a family holiday.
0: So, so it was just a chance thing that they drove through it was a here trip. on a road trip.
1: It was a road trip, and they came through to Woomba, and they were just amazed at that time of year. I think it was a similar time of year to what we're experiencing now in November, okay. with the jacarandas looking so beautiful. Oh and yes. the greenery and the the spring flowers out, <laughs> and they just thought this place is amazing. It's like a bigger version of where we're from, but it's in Queensland. It's not so cold, and they fell Until in love. <laughs> they, yeah, they fell in love with the <laughs> the weather, the people the gardens, yep. the trees and the greenery. And they thought we could probably move here. And eventually they did. And they, they went on their holiday to the coast and they talked about it and thought about it and went back home. And eventually they decided to pack up and move to Toowoomba. And, um, they came up and lived in the old club hotel. Really? Which was right the building that Gelatissimo is in right on the yes. main corner of town. Yep. For the first six months or so, while they were finding their feet in Toowoomba and establishing life, they lived in upstairs in the club hotel and they were looking for properties to rent or buy or not sure what to do. And eventually they, um, they found a building to tenant in the CBD with their jewelry store. So they moved the jewelry store into there, opened their business and actually lived in the back of that old retail store because they couldn't afford rent in a house and rent on a building downtown. And the priority was the jewelry store.
0: Absolutely. So they live, did they still have the jewellery stores in New South Wales, or did they sell them up before they moved no, up to Queensland?
1: They actually um, they left the, those tenancies and brought their stock up here. Okay. Uh, they handed it off to a family relative, yep. the the tenancy, and they kept a a jewellery store going in there. Okay. And lo and behold, three generations later, my second or third cousin is also a jeweller down from down there. So, there's so a Hogan's jeweler still it's, there? It's not Hogan's, it's no. a different name because it went to my grandmother's side of the family. Okay. So yes, it's different names. But, but it still comes from that same, same genesis. Yes, our distant relatives same. are jewelers down in New South Wales in the countryside down there as well. <laughs> um, so, it's quite interesting to actually know the story behind that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they started their business up here and, of course, made that ultimate sacrifice for their business yep. to put their personal lives and their family life on hold. Not buy a house, not rent a house, not even have a house, and they lived in the back of the shop. Which and was now at this
0: stage they've got three kids, three kids. They've got three, and then another three come along. Another is that right? Three came. So which, six kids. Uh, were they still? Yeah. Were they had the six kids living in the back of the jewellery store? No, no. no. By, that by stage, then been able they to move had. Up?
1: By then they had relocated into a rental house. Yes, and, and you know that was a few years after the business was established here yep. in town. They finally got around to moving into a house, then building their own house. And they slowly just built the business up over a long period of time. One whole generation was about establishing this business in Toowoomba. Yes, moving the business from down south into Toowoomba and establishing it here. Yep, and having the family and um, basically every one of those family members grew up through the uh, through the years working in the business of some description. So it's been a true family business for three generations. Absolutely.
0: Because as you, as you say, all six kids at one point were working in that store in some manner or form.
1: Yes. All of them in different stints have done different things. Um, my two aunties and uncle, the oldest out of the, out of the lot, have all worked in the store, in the shop front or in the office. Um, dad was the only one to actually do a jewellery apprenticeship. Yes. And my other auntie, Jane, she's a qualified watchmaker.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Peter, who sadly passed away, um, about 15 years ago was really well remembered and he would have been in the store probably when you came through for your engagement wedding rings. Yes. Um, he was the face of the business in the showroom. Right. He helped manage the showroom with my grandparents while dad was at the back making the rings and running the workshop. Okay. So, um, he was there for 30 years of his career since he left school. Till he hit um, about fifty, and then he had to retire with cancer. So, uh, so he's really well remembered around town for being the face and the pe- the one that people always dealt with in the store.
0: Okay. Yeah. So to do the apprenticeships, I mean, did they just do them under your grandparents' tutelage, or did they go out somewhere else and and get some different knowledge? The the watchmaking was there. You know, was that available? Was it was it readily available in Toowoomba to be able to learn these sorts of
1: things? No, jewellery jewellery and watchmaking apprenticeships have never. Never been available in Toowoomba, it's too small of a community for that. We don't have enough apprentices to, to be viable, to run the course here. So it's always been run in Brisbane and you actually go to travel, travel to Brisbane, stay down there. You still do that to this day. Our apprentices go down, stay for a month at a time, every six months and do their TAFE blocks before coming back, um, to work on, on the job. Yes. And, um, so it's a bit of a rotating cycle of apprentices going to TAFE, but, um, We've got a really good program of training apprentices these days, and, and lately, in the last couple of years, we've taken out many Queensland State Awards for, yeah. for our apprentices.
0: Uh, you mentioned uh, Peter being the face there, and, and your dad's out the back making the ring, uh, and the jury, because your dad's name is Paul Hogan. Yes. Now, how was that going to school <laughs> with your dad's name Paul Hogan. Um, I mean, that had to have, that had to have appeared at some stage.
1: It, yeah? it was, it was funny. It was always a joke, but people in this community kn- knew us well enough to think it's just a laugh and no one okay. ever got confused with it. Yep. But when you left Toowoomba and you went on holidays to the coast or something in your book <laughs> and you book a, um, a restaurant or a, or a hotel for Paul Hogan and his family, you know, the number of people that would be mis, not that <laughs> and go, is this the Paul Hogan that. Is coming. He's coming to the Gold Coast for a holiday from Hollywood or something. Yeah. And people would, the, di- the sheer disappointment every time we walk in and said, we're just here for the booking for Paul Hogan. And oh. they would just, oh, you could really? just see the disappointment on their face every time. It, it, um, one of the funniest stories, back when Paul Hogan was huge in America, yeah. we were on a family holiday seeing, um, seeing our cousins over in Canada and, and the US who mm-hmm. actually live over there. And we went to Whistler. And my brother got lost on top of up on top of Whistler Mountain oh, amongst wow. all the thousands of people that go up there, take photos and everything like that. Yes. Uh, in summer, and um, we've lost him. And over the loudspeaker, they've put a um, PA announcement out saying, um, "If there's a, a Paul Hogan from Australia up here on top of the mountain, we have your son Mitchell <laughs> at the front counter." <laughs> and they put it out to everyone at thousands of Americans and Canadians. And next minute. All these people went running to the, to the admin office at the front. And dad and I went over to find him and all these people had their cameras out, ready to take photos and ready to get autographs. And next minute we've come running through to my brother who's standing there crying and the whole crowd of people, the most disappointed. (laughs) crowd of people you've ever seen they all just turned and walked away it was it was just one of those moments in life you'll never forget
0: that is fantastic yeah. all right there you go the, the, the pitfalls of having a very famous name yes, uh, yeah. all right so then then now the the, the next generation then so you, your dad and, and Peter uh, they take over running the store and they and yep. they're making incredible jewelry and they and they start to think well we want to you know make sure that this legacy continues on I'm assuming and uh, and keep that family name going then then you come along and and you know your other other siblings and 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 uh, and nephews and, and nieces now was there you know talk of you taking over the business from the early days or was it something that you were gravitated towards yourself
1: um I think they hoped that um, well Peter never had kids so he mm. was very much um, we spent a lot of time with him as kids as well and I guess yep. he treated us like his own kids sometimes yeah. um, but he was really hoping that one of us had carried on yep and he never really got to see that day because I, I think he passed away when I was in about year 12 at school. So nice. I hadn't started an apprenticeship there yet. My brother had gone to do a business degree at university. Yes. Um, and I was the more creative artistic one right. that would be the jeweler like dad. Yep. Um, they thought my brother goes to uni, gets a business degree and he'll be the Peter of the family and run the front of the store. Uh, wasn't how it all planned out because he went straight into the mines and never came okay. back. <laughs> he, he got hooked by the mining, by the mining scene and, uh, hasn't ever come back, but I did, um finished school and went straight into an apprenticeship with jewellery because I... So was there
0: anything else you'd ever thought you you might want to do? I mean, was that always for you? uh, Look at this, you know, I've been around this, I know it, I'm familiar with it, I'd like to do this, but you weren't in the back of your mind thinking, but you know what, I'd really like to be an astronaut.
1: Oh, there was was things I'd love to have been, but my skill set is so suited to jewellery. Yep. It's, I I would be hard-pressed to find anything else I'd be better at, I think, because... um, I've got my two favourite subjects at school were art and workshop. Okay. Which is making things with your hands and being creative. Yes. I wasn't into the bookwork side of things as much. Um, but those creative um, classes at school was where I really excelled. And jewellery is a combination of both of them. Yeah. And so there's not really a more suitable trade or or job that I reckon I could have and
0: you've got the perfect um, temperament for it too yeah, knowing we, you i uh, you have a you have that beautiful temperament that you, uh, yeah. I could only imagine it must be incredibly intricate work. Oh, I mean, is, I see, yeah. you know, my memory of seeing jewellers, uh, you know, through shop windows and so forth doing their, their work was, you know, they'd be wearing big, you know, goggle-type glasses and and, uh, and working on these tiny intricate things. And I, I thought, God, I, you know, I get fed up with the Christmas lights. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, just trying And you're dealing with this intricacy on a daily basis. Yeah. I mean, that must be a, a challenge but also part of the the thrill of creating these things under the, under those conditions.
1: It's um it is a very tedious job, very time consuming. The amount of labour that goes into making a piece is incredible. Yeah, it's, uh, you just have to have such patience. And to be honest, I don't think I had the patience of what it took when I started. Okay. But you develop it. <laughs> you develop the patience, right? Um, to make jewellery, and it's something that, as time goes on, you understand better. You know where something could go wrong so you're on the lookout for these sorts of things. So it gets easier as you get more experience, like any job. Um, but you definitely learn the patience and the fine motor skills when you get into it. There's a lot of, um, little skills and training. Um, I guess training, um, skills that they teach you at TAFE and, and you just have to sit there continuously doing until you can perfect them. Yes. And that's what ends up giving you the skills to be a qualified jeweller. Um, but yes, it is it is a quite a difficult job and it's not something that everyone can do. Um, more than half of the apprentices that commence their apprenticeships don't pass and is don't, that right? don't become qualified jewellers. Wow. Um, majority actually leave it because it's too hard or they don't have the patience or they don't have the... The eyesight for it or the, yes. or the or the stability in their hands to keep steady enough. Well, you'd
0: have to be like a surgeon. Yeah. I mean, your hands, yeah. because, yeah. you know, you can't afford to, I'd imagine, make too many mistakes when you're dealing with the material I'm, that you're
1: dealing I'm with. I'm just glad that when I make a mistake, someone doesn't, you know, end up passing away. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. Yes, that's it's, a very good it's, point. <laughs> it's a little less pressure than a surgeon, but yes, very similar skills involved with a steady hand and a and a headset on and, and um, yeah, it's amazing though to... Um, Sit with people and do what I do, and from a blank piece of paper, come up with an, a design that they love. Yes, um, sketching it right in front of them, they absolutely love what I do with my art artworks in front of them. Yep, and then going to sit and actually create that from a bar of gold, and you know, within the space of a month or so, I've gone from a blank page of paper to their dream piece that they're going to wear and love forever. And that's and the thing. It's, it, it's handed rewarding. down yeah.
0: more often than not to, yeah. uh, through generations. Uh, I would imagine an extra little bit of pressure comes when you're designing for your wife because did yeah. you do your own, I'm assuming, engagement oh. ring and wedding ring set? <laughs> yeah. uh, and And did you... Consult with her, or did you say to her, This is what I've been training for my whole young <laughs> life. This is the fruition of everything yeah. I've done yeah. is to put this ring on. Leave it with me. I know you. I'm gonna do it. That must be fraught with danger too, because as I said right at the beginning of the podcast, my wife and I both went and and you know, saw your family and we sat down and my wife said, I like that, I don't like that, and I you know, that made it very easy for me. And then I handed over the job and just paid the bill at the yes, end of it, yes. you took all of that on yes. and it is so significant to women uh, that they get that piece that they want.
1: That is right. Yes. And I did do it as a surprise. So I didn't have her feedback on what I was doing, which yeah, made it difficult right. it made me second guess myself a lot throughout the process Yep, down to every single detail. But I know the style of, of her fashion, that the clothes she wears, the colors she likes and yep. everything. So it made... I think, you know, and I didn't propose for about 10 years, so it took me a long time to uh, get around to doing it. <laughs> so, um, you know, I know that she loves pink and I know that she loves fine, intricate details. And, yes. And, um, you know, she does like filigree sort of finishes and, and um, all those sorts of things, decorative character styles. Yep. And I know that what I designed is pretty much all of that. And so I had to go with my gut instinct on that and know that, I reckon she'll like this wow. and it's what you know and it was a very complicated thing to make and it was handmade um, which is it you know the old fashioned way of doing things with a bar of gold as opposed to some of the technologies we have these wow. days um so it was for me it was yes like you said the pinnacle of your career making that one special thing for yourself and yeah. your and your partner um, and she ended up just loving it and you know there's no other ring I've done like it She's very strict on telling me that I'm not to copy it for anyone else. <laughs> so I'm, I'm aware of that. But, but I bet it's it a bit is, like a
0: builder's home. I mean, it is, it's a bit like it's, it it's your display yeah. home. I mean, people and are going to say, oh, let me have a look at the ring. And then they, oh, my goodness, Most, you, know, you could do yeah. something like that for me.
1: Most um, people have come in going, oh, my God, that ring. And I've had some people loving it so much that they want it to be the same. And I just said, look, I'll have to change details. or yeah. little fine details to make it so it's not the same because yeah. it is our unique thing um that I've done for her. So and people respect that. They don't want it they don't want to steal any of our thunder or or just do a blatant copy of it. Yes. Um so we do change little fine details and make it slightly different in areas and all those sorts of things to make their own special piece and we've got our special piece. Alright.
0: Now the the future, uh, and you have just invested as a family significant money in putting together a magnificent showroom. Yes. I mean that is an investment in woomba and the CBD here but also in the the future of, of Hogan's family jewelers I, I'm assuming you know it was a it would have been a decision that had to come with great consultation because it wouldn't be something that you would just have gone right well let's just let's just expand and do it but you must have been thinking well we want to leave a legacy.
1: That's right yeah we it's this sort of thing people look at it and go, wow that's um, an amazing thing you've done in the last year or two. No, no, no. No, that's since 1953. This is something that has been built over generations, this business, and it's not something that any business can just walk into town and do. Um, It has taken a long time to build up the capability to do that and the following in our business and the loyalty from clientele to continue supporting. And, you know, the number of jewellers we've got and all of that is is built over time. Um, We have one of the biggest workshops in town or, sorry, the state, Um, it's, it's huge. The amount of work that we do do for our clients and the custom work that the demand for our product. Um, so it was a big investment and we found that this community supports businesses like ours so loyally that you would never want to move anywhere else. Some people move businesses to the city and move to other places and all those sorts of things. But Toowoomba And our community is so supportive of our business being such an old iconic business in town, but our business is now expanding. It has been expanding for a long time around Queensland. It's now going well around Australia and even overseas. Um, the demand is everywhere and you can, you can really service clients wherever they are in the world these days with our technology. So we don't need to move. And we thought a long time about it, whether if you're going to invest that sort of money and do that sort of project, whether you would shift the business somewhere else. Yeah. And we thought, why would you, Toowoomba loves what we do. We're well known in Toowoomba for what we do and wherever people are in the world, they can find us anyway. And we can ship rings out and get them overseas within a week. Um, if, if someone wants a custom made ring, like a mate of mine, who's in Singapore at the moment, um, we'll have the ring done in three weeks. I'll have it in a bag on the uh, plane to Singapore and he'll have it within a week from when I send it. So within a month, he still has Incredible. a Hogan's ring in Singapore and That's no different, no it? different to any of our clients who are in Sydney, Melbourne, other side of Australia over in Perth. It's just amazing.
0: What do you think uh, the grandparents would have thought of the new
1: Oh yes, I would, showroom. Have, would have loved, you know, they're not yeah, around anymore, but course. for them to see what it's turned into, you know, for their dreams as, young people just dreaming of having their own jewellery store to see what it is now. Um, I've seen nearly every decent jewellery store in Australia, in all the big cities and everywhere. I know that the fit out that we've got and the workshop we've got now in Toowoomba here is, would have to be in the top five jewellery stores in Australia. There isn't a workshop that's more impressive with the equipment, the um, capability of what we do with the number of staff we, we have running such, such a successful business. Um, you know, what we've done is truly one of Australia's most impressive stores and in such an unusual region for it. Most of those sorts of things you'd see in Sydney or Melbourne or, um, one of the big cities, but to have this sort of thing in Toowoomba is completely unique.
0: It absolutely is. Well, I can tell you it is just magnificent. Uh, If you're down in the Toowoomba CBD, look for Hogan's Family Jewelers uh, and have a look at the brand new showroom and workshop in Margaret Street. It's just absolutely amazing. Uh, And it's a credit to three generations of family. And uh, we hope there's another 75 years and there's more stories to tell down the track uh, because uh, it really is one of those wonderful success stories. And the family has been very generous in, in making sure they've given back to this community too. Uh, we've spoken about uh, Gather and graze, which has been your latest iteration of that. But over the years, the family supported many local charities to hospital foundation being yeah. one of many uh, and many other organisations. And, and, you know, that is just so important. You've been an integral part of the community and uh, we love Hogan's family jewelers. And uh, as I say, I certainly hope there is another 75 years down the track and uh, all the very best with the brand new showroom and, uh, and, Uh, thank you for your time on our stories
1: thank you lee it's um yes we definitely hope there's another 75 years and uh i'd love to be around personally to see us get to 100 years so if i've got another 22 years at least in me that'd be ideal but i'd love to see it go past that and it's um it's an exciting future but i mean this year we've had just such a big year with this shop renovation and the move um not only with with all of that going on we had our Hogan's Diamond Lunch with the Hospital Foundation and Soiree, which raised nearly $90,000 for, for the Hospital Foundation. Oh, yeah. We were awarded last night the Chairman's Award for um, basically putting on one of their events of the year. Fantastic. Um, Congratulations. They, yeah, they voted us for that this year, which was amazing. Um, we were inducted into the Toowoomba Chamber of Commerce Business Hall of Fame yes. um, this year and won the Best Retail Store in Toowoomba, which is for a second year in a row. Um, so it shows you the first one wasn't a fluke, Yeah, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the awards we've, um, sort of acclaimed in the last couple of years, um, best, you know, uh, apprentices in Queensland, um, our, our guys in the workshop are doing magical work and winning state awards all over the place. It's just, it's all come together at about the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and I think that's, I guess we, we're getting a bit of limelight at the moment because it's all happening at the one time. Um, but it's been, you know, it just hasn't just happened like that. It's been a lot of, a lot of work over the last 10, 20 years to make this particular move happen. And, um, and you know, all these awards just happen to come together at once, which is amazing. There's
0: very good reasons behind it. That is for sure. No doubt about that. Uh, Lockie Hogan, Thank thank you very much.
1: Thanks Lee. Thanks for having me.